Um, so the words new criticism, modernism, postmodernism. Do you care about any of these terms? No, I, I, I don't even know what they mean, to I, be honest. I, I really don't. To me, they're for historians. Um, they're for people trying to like catalog what's happening in the world. And, and, and uh, it's it, they're not for people making shit. If you're making yeah, shit, you're I, just going to make shit. And you're not going to overanalyze this stuff. Yeah, I think that's not up to you anyways. I mean, I, I don't I, I feel like if you're intent on like filling a void in some sort of genre or just to add to, you know, just to add to the fire of, of a certain genre, like it, you're not it's not going to be what you want it to be anyways. So I think that going in without any sort of focus on like where you want this book to land is really important. Like, I mean, I, I kind of when I was doing uh, watch, um, I knew that I wanted it to be sort of eerie in a sense that like it, it was almost science fiction, but it's not a science fiction book. And I would never try to pitch it as a science fiction book or tell anyone it's a science fiction book. But um, I, I kind of like had that idea that that's just in the general direction I wanted to go. No, I can, and then I can it, see that. Like uh, uh, you feel when you read uh, Watch, especially you feel like you're in a cold room. Yeah, and that's like the same kind of feeling I would get from a lot of like the very stuffy sci-fi is yeah. the stuff yeah. I like. Whole short stories about an artificial intelligence where nothing happens. That's like my shit. Like Ur Ursula Le Guin. Like, were you a big enough? Oh, I've one? never read her. Pretty good. Very stuffy though. Yeah. Um, uh, word for world is forest is a pretty, really condensed, I guess, short story. But yeah, it's just like, I, I mean, and it's more. I feel like science fiction is is just so um, so free to do, obviously because it's it's world creation. Um, so I definitely didn't want to go that um, into it, and I didn't want to explore a science science fiction sort of um, uh, I don't know tropes or anything like that. I just wanted it to feel strange, and I guess like eerie is the best way that that was just sort of the one word that I was sort of focusing on. I was like I just wanted to feel eerie, and that's it. And then however people want to fucking describe it, it's not up to me anymore. You know, I I made it what once it's out of my brain out of my hands and it's not mine anymore you know yeah. you guys do whatever the fuck you want with it call it whatever you want it's not it's not important to me but i know that that is important to a lot of people even in music you know there's bands that are they want to be metal bands and they're they're you know uh, in every album review or whatever they're called something else and it like i know that i i have friends that get fucking pissed off it's when so music genres are so cool <laughs> It's oh my so God, I know. like even at me as like a fucking idiot that doesn't know anything. I, I it's just like cool to like. I remember the old days of like fucking Napster and shit. You would download like an Aesop rock album and it'd be yeah. It, the genre would say acid jazz and you're just shut the yeah. fuck up. <laughs> shut yeah. up. Yeah. These terms it, yeah. mean whatever you want them to mean. They're not fucking real. Listen to the song. Exactly, and they're all like you know, there's there's sub, uh, they're like subgenres of subgenres of subgenres, and it's just trying to compartmentalize anything into such specifics. It, it it's boring. You drain the oh my god, there is no life in it whatsoever, whatsoever. That's why, like, whenever I like talk to people who like create shit, no one likes terminology. No. You understand nope. it almost as like a baseline that you have mm -hmm. to. And then yeah. you just you just let it go. It's a good way of like evaluating stuff, but it's just such a different beast. Where if you're actually making it, I feel like you should not give a shit. No way about any of that. 
Yeah, it's it's just so uh, I don't know. It, it, it's so confining to because then you know I, I mean if you're writing something and you're just in a mood or you have a tangential idea that you want to explore, and it it crosses that imaginary line you set for yourself where one genre ends and another one begins, then you know then you're you're just giving yourself way more fucking heartache than it's worth because no one's gonna read it the way you want it to be read. It's not gonna fucking happen. Well, it's also that like if you're writing right you're trying to usually convey something about the human experience right mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. something that's a, a, like a little bit universal and yeah you know, we've had all these fucking feelings and things and, and senses of trust and distrust since we were pre-verbal as people mm-hmm. and to, to 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 make yourself right in a tone where you're trying to fit into a specific school or evaluating yourself through a school you're fucking uh-huh. up because you're like dehumanizing yourself in order to bleach it out and make it fit whatever the narrative is yeah and then you completely lose who you are you know and it, it, that's I mean, it's it's equivalent to like being a people pleaser, even though you're writing a book and, and you're you're writing it for yourself because it's something you want to create. Ultimately, you're just trying to do what you know that certain people like to to have done to them, right. you know, and it's like, so what are you really bringing to the table if you're just giving them what they want? I mean, the point is to have them read your stuff and find something in themselves that they didn't know they liked before, you know, but for some reason they gave you a chance to, to impress them. Um, but just, just adding another book to the genre is, uh, it's completely defeatist. And I, I wouldn't even really, I don't know. I wouldn't really call those people writers, I guess. They're just, I, well, I, don't I know. feel like a certain point, right? You're, if you're a writer and you've written like four books, you're understood to be a good writer. So mm-hmm. people buy into that already, and you can get away with a lot more, I feel like, because people have Absolutely. the understanding that you are a good writer. And I think mm-hmm. that kind of makes you a little bit of a worse writer. Like, I feel like you have to avoid that. I, 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 I'm equating this concept with writing to comedy, right? Because whoever mm-hmm. the biggest, funniest person is at any given time who's in the most comedy movies, Adam Sandler, Will Ferrell, like... Mm-hmm. In 10 years, they're not going to be funny because everyone's going to say yes to everything they do because they Mm -hmm. already have a reputation of being funny and they will do it until they're fucking, you know, dead Adam Adam (laughs) Sandler just making Netflix movies that, yeah, you know, about a a shoe cobbler. Right, right, right. Like Adam Sandler comes out with a fucking Netflix movie like every six months. Mm -hmm. And if you're over the age of. 16 you would never know yeah absolutely i had no idea yeah i I I worked at a group home so i had to watch all of them like david (laughs) spade is still making netflix like like, like a lot of them yeah i mean and that's that's such a problem for uh, creative people i think because at that point like what are you creating anymore i mean you've to get to that point where (laughs) millions of dollars yeah. Well, okay. So two points to to get to that point where you have the um, ability to be successful because of what you create, you're involuntarily removed from being an, an observer of what people actually want. You know, you're you don't have the experiences anymore that 
were what you wrote about or filmed um, when you began because now you're a success. So you don't look at anything the same way anymore. So you're already losing the connection to the people who, you know, started you off by enjoying your stuff. So I, it, and you know, it's like, I mean, probably a bad example, but like the newest Dave Chappelle stuff, not the one where he was just like yeah. smoking drunk, drunk at the bar, but like his special, He's. It, you could tell that he's just. He's pissed off that he's lost touch. Yeah. And then that that anger comes through, and all of a sudden it, it's more um, an indictment on so your your social position or your wealth than it is on on being an actual like comedic observer. And that's not really anything that I fucking particularly give a shit about. Yeah. I don't. I don't want to hear a rich guy complaining. You know what I mean? That's Got, not, even if it's funny. It's the, not funny an old to me. man saying the world is starting <clears throat> to pass me by, and this is why, right. this is why that's not okay. Yes, exactly. And I, I just don't think that I, I think that becoming a successful author or movie star or whatever it, it it does a disservice to the art because you have to step further away with every success from the things that you really dug into in the first place uh, but obviously that's a that's a trade-off that a lot of people will take um but another thing that i was going to say too is with the availability of things like that if if this is i, I don't know if you're being like hyperbolic but it, if adam sandler really does have like six fucking movies on netflix and he's doing this all the time it's nobody fucking you're i mean nobody's gonna care because you, they don't have time to fully ingest the first thing well here's the thing you remember okay so i remember this on twitter right and you're saying nobody cares but here's the thing people love it People love it. Oh God! Not people. Not people I respect. Yeah, exactly. Because we're we talk to to, to people that have similar tastes to us, and 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 I remember like everyone on Twitter was like fucking when when all the Tuca and Birdie people were like ah Tuca Birdie is canceled, and they would quote how many millions of people had watched one from the Netflix things, and it would be like yeah. seventy two million people that's insane. have watched the Adam Sandler, and only ten million people watched Tuca and Birdie. And it's just like, first of all, you don't measure art by a quantification of like shit like that. That doesn't mean it's good or bad or stuff like that. But people fucking will watch it. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it's like when you just sort of when you're tethered to like you said, like you don't listen to new music anymore. Totally fine because you know what you like. You know what I mean? And and why? Why bother? Really? I mean, I'm not saying this sarcastically, but like, why bother? Why? Right. There's so much shit out there now. I'm not going to find right. anything I like because I know what I like. Well, already. I listen to new stuff. It's just, you know, every couple months I, I come back to just listening. Of to course. Only Jason Molina. Let me go. Let me go. Let me go. <laughs> yeah. Fucking yeah. 10 I'm, times in a row <laughs> going through a whole album in a 45 minute shower. But like before you had access to all this content, um, you you became intimately familiar even with the shit you didn't like. Oh yeah. Because it was all, all you had, you know? So like, I mean, I, I, I had to, I forced myself to like bands because I bought their CD on a whim with my allowance and I wasn't going to have any money for the rest of the week. And I didn't want to admit that it sucked because I fucking spent my my entire allowance on a CD. So now I'm fucking listening to REM pretending it's good, you know, but now I have fucking REM lyrics in my head that will never go away. That's true. You know, because I I had to take it in because it was all that was available to me. So now that there's so many things, obvious, I mean, this is just fucking obvious to anyone. But, you know, with all the shit out there. I don't feel like the the um, the frequency of the output is any way to measure talent, I guess. I, or... I would say this, too. As, like, a creative person, you learn as much, if not more, from stuff you don't like 
Oh yeah. Than stuff you do. Like uh, yeah. there's a lot of you will get some very like we were talking about creative writing classes. You'll learn some fucking lessons about what not to do just by sitting and listening. Yeah. Absolutely. You use it as like, I mean, that's how you use the, that's real quick. That's also how me and Charles first met <laughs> as, yeah, as freshmen, tried to avoid freshmen at Mizzou who were put into the same creative writing class together. Yeah, that's, well, that's good. Yeah. Something came out of it. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like I, I use, I use the things I hate as like bumpers and bumper bowling. Like I, I find a bunch of shit I hate. I put it in place uh, as my like boundaries and then i just try try to stay as you know it's somewhere within those r- areas of head uh, both sides of the spectrum of things that i hate and as long as i can kind of keep it within there i don't have to group everything together like you know but it it should fall in between these two bumpers of like i fucking know that i hate this and i know that this is the corniest shit in the world you know because bad and corny are two different kinds yeah. of just abhorrent to me i i can't fucking st- i would rather read something objectively awful than read something corny I've, i, I, have I finished, fucking hate corniness. i'm 99 percent sure i have finished every book i've ever started yeah and even awesome. even if i don't like them i honestly uh-huh. will read faster if i don't like a book to get over it absolutely i told myself absolutely. yeah like like and you're gonna learn from it if you just yep. pay attention yeah it's a that that sunk cost fallacy too is is like uh, reading books that I don't like. I'm not going to give up on on it yet. You know, I I just don't have. I can't do it. And I, even if I fucking hate it, putting a book down and not finishing it, I have like a pile of unfinished books that it haunts me. That I know I've started and I didn't finish them. And I promise myself I'm going to get back to them. But it why I don't like it. I'm just going to punish myself. So I have to think of it as like you said, like a lesson like, to learn something about what I hate. Just like constantly giving yourself like homework for no reason yes what i do all right so i want i had i have two more things two more big things i kind of wanted to 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 cover um i wanted to talk about some of the rules of writers Mm -hmm. um go over some different guys i got lined up here and then after that kind of moving on the way to um uh kind of our state our very unique state of guys that are not really in the academic world, in the MFA yeah. world, and kind of going to see kind of the ramifications in our stuff because of that. But let's go over real quick some of these guys here. And I w- always like starting on this one because I think this is the most incorrect advice. Okay. I remember reading it as a kid and thinking it made sense. And I don't think it does. I think some <laughs> okay. of it does. It's impossible to be wrong about everything. But uh, these were... The eight rules of writing, according to Kurt Vonnegut, and we'll start with number one, like how most numbered lists do. Yeah, that's a good place to start. Use the time of a total stranger in such a way that he or she will not feel the time was wasted. Use the time of a total stranger (laughs) in such a way Uh that he or she will not feel the time was wasted. Which, okay. let me just, I'll send you the link to it there so you can just read it off <laughs> okay. with me. But um, uh, basically, it seems like word salad to me. Absolutely. that's That sounds like something I would read in a dream. Like it doesn't, I know and there's I'll, words and they connect. but You can't control how other people read your shit either. Of course. <laughs> so And l- they don't have to be a stranger. And if they are a stranger, that's even more, how the fuck do you know if they feel their time was wasted, let alone, you know, getting valuable feedback from them? I, I that, yeah, I disagree. Yeah. And also you just, if you write for everyone, you write for nobody. <clears throat> right. 
That should be the number one rule. Well, no, because even then, if you're good, for, uh, well, I have a, a thought on If you're good enough at writing, you can break any fucking rule you want because it doesn't fucking matter. Rule number two, you heard it. I'm just going <laughs> to copy and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to translate yeah. these and then copy and paste them. All right. There. Give the reader at least one character he or she can root for. Which. Yeah. Even then, I don't know, because especially how people read stuff now, where mm-hmm. almost people will read what a character does as like a moral barometer for the author themselves. Right. Right. Uh, this is the Sopranos argument where it's like, oh, well, James Gandolfini's a bad person. So or or, yeah. or, or Tony Soprano's a bad person. Mm-hmm. So that's what this is about. And and. and I, I, I don't think that's productive. I think you can have a car- uh, fucking Blood Meridian. Who the fuck do you root for in right. Blood Meridian? Per- perfect, perfect example. Per- like, I guess the guy that eats turds. <laughs> like, <laughs> He's the hero. There, there does, like, for, if you're trying to convey something where fucking, you know, it's a bleak, morally gray universe, yeah. you don't have the young spunky. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. that's like YA fiction advice to me. It, it, it where, is. It where is. the main character, if they mess up, they mess up in a way that is perfect. YA fiction mm-hmm. and like crime noir have a lot in common to me and like yeah. how childish it is. And uh, like crime noir, the main character will have a tragic flaw, but it's always mm-hmm. a fucking cool flaw. Like they womanize yeah. or they drink too he, much. Yeah, he has too much sex. And, or, and, and yeah. the YA tragic flaw will be like, oh, I didn't take my friend's. Uh, I took my friends for granted, but by the end of the book, then you just take your friends very seriously and everything's (laughs) fine. Like, it is just completely blank. It is for people to feel good, which has its own purposes. You know, it's not bad thing to feel good, but there's just not a second level that really challenges anyone's worldview. That I, but I think that's it, it adopts. I actually don't know if it takes from or lends to, but that's just the formula for writing a, a blockbuster movie. You know, I mean, that's that. That's that's what you have to do to write. You know, to have a blockbuster movie, you have to write a script that has these very YA or, or noir feels to it, because that's why people go to the movies. Yeah. You know, they they want to feel like that, and it's different writing a book because. You have to put the, the the people have to voluntarily bring the book into their home and they have to live with it on their shelf and they have to read it before they go to bed or whatever. But with a movie, yeah, you want that escapism. So, uh, you know, the YA stuff is escapist. And I think number three is a good piece of advice. I don't know if it's a great rule because it's just the rule nature of it is. But every character should want something, even if it is only a glass of water. Like, that's good. Yeah. But I also don't think you have to tell the audience or show even right. what the character wants. If the character's there long enough, it'll like reveal itself. Yeah. Yes, of course. But yeah, I, 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 uh, yeah, I don't think that has to be stated outright ever. I think that you will, and sometimes you realize what the character wants before they realize. Oh it, yeah, you know. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, number four is not bad wanting. either. Every sentence must do one of two things: reveal character, or advance the action. But even then, that's going to be subjective because everybody's going to say what reveals character and what doesn't. Some people like to be yeah. more subtle and stuff like that. But basically, it's just that you know, shorter is better, which is a g- uh-huh. good general rule mm-hmm. in any type of media, except sex. Yeah. <laughs> It's good re- advice for jacking off, though. Very good. Lose a whole Come afternoon that way. 
start as close to the end as possible, which is always the number. This is like the quintessential, like a uh, 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 like author rule thing to me, because it's like uh, it's just advice for yourself, and you're just uh -huh. saying it's universal. Yeah, yeah. But I think, I mean, you said that writing the beginning was the easiest part. And I, I actually find that writing the end is the easiest part. Oh, really? See, the end is just yeah. fucking... I had trouble with both the endings for Water Wasted and Into the Hills because it's just like... I, yeah. You're pushing an idea the whole time, uh -huh. and it's now or never, almost. You yeah. Know? R right, right. Like the beginning of the beginning of the book, you're just jacking off. You're like, hey, look at me. <laughs> you're just chubbing right, up a little bit. Right, yeah, right. Yeah. You're trying to, yeah, you're you're trying to get a semi in your T-Rose so that somebody thinks you have a bigger dick than you do. Be a saddest. No matter how sweet or innocent your leading characters, make awful things happen to them in order that the reader may see what they're made of. Which I think I do that. I mean, you gotta, sure. you have to have conflict. Yeah, and it's sh sh Schadenfreude, fried, Schadenfreude, Schadenfreude. Like, I don't you, fucking you know, dude. You enjoy seeing people suffer. Everyone enjoys seeing people suffer. Yeah, and you want like, if you have a tough question, bad things should happen in order to get closer mm -hmm. to that answering that tough yeah. question. Yeah. Okay, this one just sounds like DeLaw did. Right to please just one person. <laughs> if you open a window and make love to the world, so <sighs> to speak, your story will get pneumonia. Which that's just a re advice for yourself, man. Yeah, I don't. I didn't write I, to please just one person. It's like, uh huh. I mean, I also feel like that's something you could tell yourself after like someone trashes what you've made. Yeah. Well, I didn't write it. I didn't write if it. If you, you really trust yourself, mm -hmm. write some shit that you like. Yeah, absolutely. Right what you know. And then if I mean, if people if people like it, that's great. If they don't, whatever. But yeah, if you're not writing to get famous, that's probably why you should write something. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I mean, I I think that um, you definitely should keep in mind that like you want people to read it. Like you don't want to push them away. You don't want to be like so um it's so on your own island that like no one can ever reach you and you just hope that they like marvel from a distance like that's not why you write a book that's i had why you get awful uh 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 my 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 capstone like creative writing class at mizzou good lord this guy wrote um crime noir okay. and he was a million years old and like wore a loose fitting suit and had never really had like a commercially successful novel, but had written for like fucking 20 years. Mm -hmm. And uh, God, every time you brought up a concept or anything to him, he would just immediately go, oh, that's very popular right now. Oh, that sells well. Oh, that and just fucking oh, man. hated this bloated husks. guts, yeah. man made me yeah, like just a made man. me fucking hate <clears throat> writing, dude, like. I want to like. What yeah. do you think? <laughs> You're just right. Yeah, it's it's people that I, I mean. I I know this might sound like bad advice, but like it, you can't take it too fucking seriously because you're gonna end up like this academic that has so many stringent rules that there's no fluidity to anything. I mean, there, there's that. Or then on the other side, you got the guy in in my class that was wearing a fedora and you know a trench coat who took himself so seriously as a writer yeah. he just thought he was like a rebel like the, the maverick that's just gonna write yeah. whatever he wants and if you're gonna be a rebel or a maverick don't do it in something as pussy as writing seriously 
I mean, get into... Just fuck, who cares if you're a maverick rider? That sounds fucking <laughs> annoying. You're just annoying. Yeah. yeah, that means you won't. You can't get published. I mean, there is a very teenage impulse that counterculture equals good. Mm-hmm. But you're too grown for that if you're writing a book. <clears throat> yeah, and also the things you think are counterculture when you're a kid are just because you haven't experienced culture yet, yeah. really. You know, you you, you think it's counter because you don't have much experience with it. But Yeah, you're writing short stories about Vikings or... Yeah, <laughs> yeah. like every kid. Uh, all right, last one is give your readers as much information as possible as soon as possible. To hell with suspense. Readers should have such a complete understanding of what is going on here and why that they could finish the story themselves. Should cockroaches eat the last few pages? Again, I just, I disagree with that one. I completely disagree with that one. I, like, completely. It, I don't, I don't care what they know. Uh-huh. I mean, there's parts in Water Wasted that I don't know what's happening because it doesn't m- matter. Yeah, but you know what's great about shit like that? You'll find out what it means much later. Like, you as the writer oh, yeah. will fi- will find out what that was for so much later. I'm working know? through it's... something just like <clears throat> you guys, you know? I'm not, yeah, I don't know. exactly. What, like, I forgot who said it. I, I forgot what her name was, but she always says she writes essays when she has answers and books when she has questions. And mm-hmm. I think that's a good way of going about it. Yeah, that's pretty good. I like that. All right. Uh, on the opposite end of advice is Margaret Atwood. Okay. And she's got 10 rules. I'm going to send you the thing here. All right. I skipped a lot of the real boring ones like George Orwell's shit. Uh-huh. Um, but this one, this one I just find something because she – it's like, all right, 10 tips about writing. And the first one she says is take a pencil to write with on airplanes. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Just like it, it struck <laughs> me as such. Like, I remember trying to get a job and my dad was like, just show show up to a place you respect with your resume. Just yeah. no, just like almost <laughs> almost cute in the naivety of it. Yeah. I mean, take a pencil, like, just, it, it, this, it would be cool if, like, a t- like 10 writing tips or how to, like, actually do the act of writing, like, make sure you're sitting in a comfortable spot, and then, like, an illustration of how to hold a pencil, like, this, this is what this sounds like, people that have never encountered a written word before. All right, so I'm going to rifle through the next four of them. If both pencils break, you can do a rough sharpening job with a nail file. Take something this to write pen- on. Okay, this is pencil maintenance. If you're this using top, a computer, always safeguard new text with a memory stick. This has nothing to do with... <laughs> do back right. exercises. Oh my god. Why? All right. What? All right. Hold the re- okay, she- this is just like she was not trying here. Hold the reader's <laughs> attention. Oh, okay. That's a good idea. That's a good idea. But you don't know who the reader is, it says. Next line. Yeah. <laughs> All right. You most, so you, can't. you most likely need a thesaurus, a rudimentary uh-huh. grammar book, and a grip on reality. Yeah. I have terrible yep. grammar. So I just, Oh, my God. Mine is so bad. I, it's like, I don't care. I'm con- If I'm conveying information and people understand on a baseline what I'm saying, then go mm-hmm. ahead. I mean, they corrected so much of my grammar on the... Um, mm-hmm. uh, while editing it, all the you know, shout, yeah. the, the editors at Rare Bird, shout, they they fucking yeah. polish. They go for it. Polish yeah. that turd I gave them, but like I'm terrible at grammar, and I write how I talk, which is just buffoonish. Yeah. So that's why Twitter's perfect. Yeah. 
because I mean, it's, it's, it's like, it's the, it's the culmination of, of everything that Jack Kerouac was trying to say when he said, it, it's, it ain't what you write, it's the way that you write it. Like, it doesn't matter what you're saying as much as it, 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 it matters how, how you're using the language and the way that the language looks. Uh, physically looks on paper you know yeah i mean and that's why twitter is so fucking awesome is because it's fuck you know people intentionally write poorly because it's it's i don't know it 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 kind of captivates you and then inspires you and you know what i mean it just like sends you on all these different tangents of of the thought behind what went into this horrible grammar on twitter I, i i some of the best writers i've ever encountered are on twitter and they're only right on twitter you, for instance. Well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> it also moves a lot quacker, quicker than it used yeah. to. All right, the next yeah. one. Ask a reading friend or two to look at your book before you give it to anyone in the publishing business. I think that's a good piece of advice. Sure. Because, yeah, they're, you want the gist from somebody that knows you, so they're going to get a gooder, a better, gooder, fuck, a better, gooder. A better idea of what this you're going for. This said gooder. I'm just fucking trash from Missouri. Who gives go. a shit? <laughs> 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 All right, this is this is a good way of putting this. Don't sit down in the middle of the woods. If you're lost in the plot or blocked, retrace your steps to where you went wrong. Which, yeah, if you if you can't hammer it through, yeah, you know, ju- you, see, I, just fucking don't be afraid to delete shit because you wrote right. that. You can write more. You can yeah. put it somewhere else if it works later. Just fucking chunk it and go to the side. I I actually like I I, I do have a rule that I I. F- find like very helpful for for myself in situations like this and i i i think i don't know if i heard it somewhere i i realized it but like whenever i get stuck on a, a, in a spot i don't i don't do what she says i don't go back to the thing that's that stuck me i go back to the thing right before that and change that oh yeah so it doesn't it doesn't lead to getting stuck yeah like being stuck isn't the problem the problem is what led you to being stuck so yeah. change that. Like, go two steps back, not this one step back. Yeah, and it's always, like, the general advice I always, like, give myself when I get that is just, like, I that's when I go off the deep end as a writer, too. That's when I do some, like, weird shit and see if it sticks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the only way you're good. I mean, that's that's growth, you know? That's that's having the, the courage to do something All like right. that, which everyone, a lot of people are cowards. Last one is my main man, Jonathan Franzen. All right. Fucking, All right. Oh God, I hate this motherfucker. <laughs> That's why I had look to do it. Just look at him. All right. Just look at number one. <coughs> number one. <laughs> Already yeah. hard to get through. The reader is a friend, not an adversary, not a spectator, which is meaningless. Absolutely meaningless. At they're mean, not your friend. They're not your fucking friend. If, What's their name? You, you know, yeah, they're such good friends. What's their fucking name? Like you're not giving the reader a cup of hot cocoa and rubbing their right. feet as they're as right. they're going into this. Like you you have something you want to put out there, and you're doing it. And like I I, I feel like that's just fucking talking down to your audience. Uh, oh, absolutely. Yep. Rub their tummy. You guys are all my buddies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That sucks. Fiction that isn't an author's personal adventure into the frightening or the unknown isn't worth writing for anything but money, which is how he came up with the corrections, because fucking... <laughs> I 
Greeks and the, is it? I'm trying to understand. I'm trying to see if I actually understand. It's this. also this, is, this is, a, is a great insight because he's writing like like there's so much conflict in his novels, which is uh-huh. really just about like upper middle class arguments. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. This is us in a. Book. It is just rich people writing mm-hmm. for other for. Literally everything Jonathan Franzen has ever written was with the express purpose of getting on Oprah's book club. Yeah. Like, that's his whole thing. And then Mm -hmm. if he needs credibility, he just mentions that he was friends with David Foster Wallace before he died. Yeah. (laughs) Not good enough friends, obviously. Yeah, well... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I wouldn't put that one on him, but you know, uh, you fuck him. Yeah, fuck. Why? Why not? Never use the word "den" as a conjunction. We have "and" for this purpose. Substituting "den" is the lazy or tone-deaf writer's non-solution to the problem of too many "ands" on the page. Which, uh, sure, yeah, I guess, man, sure. Yeah, I mean that's so that, but that's something that, like your fifth grade teacher would tell you. Well, he's kind of writing to the reader here, like they are adversary. <laughs> yeah, what? <laughs> really, just being like, take your own advice. I can almost see his like fucking eyes roll as he writes that. <laughs> Write in the third person, unless a really distinctive first person voice offers itself irresistibly, which that's just for you, dog. That's just for you. Yeah, that's not even really advice. Like you can't give another, uh, you can't give an alternative to the first part of your advice. Uh, you know, your the sentence contradicts itself. How is this advice? When information becomes free and universally accessible, voluminous research for a novel is devalued along with it. So let's break that down. Okay, so there's a lot of information. Uh, uh-huh. There's a lot of information available if you do a bunch of research for it it's not as valuable Mm. yeah which is just a boring sentence i mean yeah he's he's pissed off that he spent so much time in a library you know learning the dewey decimal system to find books that could inform his writing when now people just can go on the computer but even then i I don't think that's a bad thing all the fucking like research i feel like is usually writers hearing like an anecdote right like like DeLillo hearing about human shrapnel after a suicide bomber. And, uh, yeah, and okay, yeah. that's research, you know? Right, right. Like I, I wrote right. a lot I wrote a lot in Water Wasted about the flood patterns of the Missouri River. And that's just shit like I found pretty instantly mixed with like yeah. my experience of growing up near the Merrimack River that fucking flooded constantly and you just figure yeah. shit out like yeah, I, would you, you have to really... do that yeah, you... sort of research on some of base course. level, and just of because course. the internet exists, you're doing it yeah. in conjunction with the story, not because you want to teach the reader about fucking rivers. Yeah, I mean, d- d- saying that like research for a novel becomes d- devalued. Uh, the more accessible information is like, would he have the same like gripe with the printing press? I mean, like, it's not. You're, you, he's. Like trying to say that like hoarding knowledge is is wealth. Like he doesn't want to share the fact that people are sharing Dude, so much fucking, information. He hates the internet. Yeah, he does. Oh yeah. What a fucking weird thing to hate. Good lord. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. What a bitch. Oh fuck, Jonathan Franzen, man. God, what a dog shit, man. All right. Um, <laughs> the most purely autobiographical fiction requires pure invention. Nobody ever wrote a more autobiographical story than the Metamorphosis. Yeah, they have. 
<laughs> maybe, maybe there's, not. It's a pretty good story. But honestly, I, great, great story. I looked at like 10 of the rules and so many of them fucking mention Kafka, the metamorphosis. Yeah. Like it's very good. Mm-hmm. And maybe there's nothing more autobiographical than it, but also the sentence, the most purely autobiographical fiction requires pure invention. So he's just saying lies are true, which is just basically no. like, uh, fucking east of eden i know a true story when i read one which uh-huh. was said way better by steinbeck than it was by uh franzen here mm-hmm. you see more yeah. sitting still than chasing after which is a back tattoo that you get in <laughs> daytona beach yeah <laughs> and you get it in kanji like all, that's, all the Japanese letters. that's like well-behaved women rarely make history for guys in yeah. tweed suits <laughs> Just fucking meaningless. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's empty. Completely empty. Oh, and here's his internet thing again. It's doubtful that anyone with an internet connection oh, at his workplace is writing good fiction. Oh my god, that is a bold assumption. Right, Jesus, like, like the internet's gonna exist, man. Books are not going yeah, to dude. stop. Yeah, you can't like grump it out of existence. Really, and like the fucking internet is not even detrimental. Like, yeah. have a little fucking willpower just because you can't stop going to X Hamster. <laughs> Which literally is the biggest distraction while trying to write a novel. <laughs> is thinking every once in a while, I could just jack off in less than 15 seconds. Yeah. I could just do it. <laughs> it's, yeah, it would be really fulfilling. It, I, I'm, I'm good at it. it I know I'm good at it. It feels good. I've done it for a very long time, <laughs> and it has never let me down. Yeah. Versus writing a book. Uh-huh. I, you know, I wish, I wish next time I write a book, I'm going to keep track of how many jerk-offs <laughs> interrupted the novel. That's a great idea. The only people that probably haven't jerked off while writing a novel are guys that constantly write about jerking off, like Philip Roth. I was I was just going to say that, unless you're writing about jerking off. Every time he wants to jerk off, he just has a character jerk off instead. He just sits down and put, makes his character jack off. It's fucking God, I read Indignation, and I and I remember sitting there reading, like, like, like going like, oh, he's jerking off again. Oh, this guy's jerking <laughs> off again. Oh, man. <laughs> Is this about Vietnam or jerking off? Or I actually, uh, f- for a watch, I I had a jerking off scene and I, it got cut. I don't remember if I cut I, it or uh, not. I, cut I it, uh, it's so hard to write like good sex stuff. That's like, yeah. especially like, I feel like you should only write about sex if it's like a pivotal moment, mm-hmm. and never mm-hmm. within like backstory. Yeah, because. Even the best authors in the world constantly embarrass themselves trying to write about sex. Yeah. And it seems like such a low-hanging fruit to the and point where it it almost seems like it's it's comical. Also, like men should not write about uh men should not write sex scenes. No. Because male That's male sexuality point. is just so fucking like vile. Cross-eyed. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just no blood in your brain just huffing and puffing and like carnal want that there really is no artistry to it Uh, it, yeah it is just it's it's completely artless yeah a man's man's perspective on sex is completely artless yeah it's just like and you know as I just fucking as I (laughs) 
pumped, a bunch of sweat fell on her face. Like, <laughs> yeah. like that's that's. But but men try to write sex scenes like yeah. they aren't beasts. Yeah, that's a, and that's if you're going Dude, to do the, it, uh, if you absolutely have to do it, it has to be beastie. Oh my god, what's the they always use this word when they they talk about like pushing into a woman and they never describe the vagina cuz cuz they don't no. they've never What does he know? They've yeah. never looked at it during sex. Uh-huh. So they always like <laughs> described it as like pushed into her femininity or pushed into her softness. Oh and it's just god. fucking men don't write about sex. We don't know what's even we even if you've had sex a thousand times, you don't know what's happening during sex. <laughs> Your brain flips a switch, and it's like uh-huh. a dog trying to fight over a stick. You're just eh, 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 eh. that is that is the inner monologue during sex. Is just eh, eh, come on. I just keep thinking of MacGruber. Yeah, <laughs> that is honest male sexuality. That's what I'm saying. If it, if if you're going if if a, if you're a male writer and you're going to write about sex, you have to do it authentically which means it's going to be comical because it's so absurd you just, the way men treat sex it, it, but then you have the now you have this comic element in a book that you don't want to be funny uh yeah men writing about sex is like it should just come out as when male uh porn stars talk during pornos <laughs> oh fuck you're sucking my shit like yeah man yeah, that's, that's what I'm doing, up. dude. That is dead up. <laughs> I, I, I can't think in, in any history any man has ever said anything insightful. I mean, look at even like Renaissance painters trying to paint boobs. Like they just look like baseballs, yeah. like in a tight sock. It's, it's like there's just no the, the, the male brain doesn't process femininity let's let's leave in, in, uh, in any of the right ways i think uh, you know all male writers should join us and just mm-hmm. solidarity of saying women are the only ones that can write literary about sex now yeah that's it Un- uh, unless you're going to figure out a better way to like articulate a grunting sound in text yeah then leave it alone yeah well what was what's the last oh there's uh, two more. another there's a last one. Oh, okay interesting verbs are seldom very interesting Okay, so I want to, yeah, let, let's kind of, the last one, let's do the last one, then I want to go back to nine, because I have like a little follow-up right. kind of question right. that pertains to that. And the last one is another Daytona Beach back tattoo. You have to love before you can be relentless. I really would love for him to look me in the eyes and tell me, <laughs> explain yourself, Jonathan Franzen. Uh, what the fuck are you talking about dude so corny this is so corny it's 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 so basic and boring that a success would have been saying nothing at all right right yeah there's no need for this it's it 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 really just feels like like a heart like a a high school hardcore band lyric for a guy that has only written about birds for the last 20 years i don't want to hear you tell me about love when all of your books are about families that hate each other. <laughs> that obviously hate yeah. each other. <laughs> but good good on you, man. Good on yeah. All right, so Hey, I don't like what you're doing, but I respect it. All right. So back to here, I close the window. Read me back quote number nine. Okay. Interesting verbs are seldom very interesting. All right. So the big word versus small word debate. 
This mm-hmm. is essentially what he's talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this debate was kind of brought back into the mainstream with fucking David Foster Wallace, mm-hmm. who said, you know, the same thing fucking Shakespeare said, brevity is a soul of wit, and just said it in a w- way more annoying way. Do you have any opinions on the big versus small word debate? Uh, I I used to I used to love big words, honestly, because like it gave me something to look up. You know, it it felt like I was getting involved in it. Like I really had to try to understand what the word meant. Obviously, it takes you out of the story because you're you know, you come across a word that hits you in the face and you don't know what it means. So you got to go look it up. But I, I felt like I had accomplished something after reading a book with big words, but I definitely feel like there is uh, a, a real like highway to intent in shorter words. I, I, I've gone back and forth on this. Um, mm-hmm. I don't care. I don't think the small yep. words always better because no, for, I think sure. there is such a personal attachment to words. Right. Yeah. And you know, you can say bubbly or you can say effervescent to describe the same thing. Right. And the practical advice is we'll just say bubbly, right? But yeah. to me, there's different words evoke different feelings in me. So they yes. must do it to other people too. Of course. And sometimes it is just the better word to fit in the emotional landscape that you're kind of making. Yeah. And, and this is where arrogance kind of comes in too, because Yale must have to be, you know, if you're tutoring a kid to write an essay and he looks up the word effervescent and just mm-hmm. replaces bubbly what he originally wrote and says the effervescent soda, t-, right? I'll mm-hmm. tell him to switch it back. But I'm arrogant yeah. enough to do the same thing, the same thing that that kid's doing and say, no, I'm the one who's right because I'm good enough mm-hmm. to do it and I know what I mean with different words. Yes. I, I think yeah. anytime you have a rule that is like universally accepted as true, and everybody follows it. Well, that's fucking mm. boring. Yeah, absolutely. So I think you re- you only have a few chances to do it in your mm-hmm. in whatever you're writing. So if you're gonna mm-hmm. use that fucking word, you better fucking go all in on it. You know, Ab- absolutely. You have to fully believe it. You have to incorporate it into like your daily speak. You know, I mean, yeah. you really need to like become acquainted with that word and it's not bad because it's big it's bad if if you're trying to make it look big and that and that's sometimes like you'll you'll find writers that sometimes i I can't really think of one specifically now but where they they're they're not using a lot of big words and then suddenly they are and and then they go back to the the smaller words and you feel like oh that's where the author slipped into his own story like he was this is him he he lost touch with the character he's writing as himself now this is why there's a big word you know and and then that takes you out of it just as much as as finding a word you don't know what what it means because it doesn't feel like it's coming from the same place if you're a young writer use the fucking big word like your shit absolutely your your shit's probably not going to be that great and you'll see when to use it when not to use it but like if you're going to learn how to fucking pepper new mm-hmm. words or shit. If you're trying to expand your vocabulary, you're going to fuck up. Yeah. So just, you, you got to come out of the gate hot with big words when you're younger, and, and for sure. If you're going to fuck up as a writer, you might as well do it soon, right? Absolutely. Might as well fucking. It's not like there's there, the stakes couldn't be lower. If no one right. reads it, who gives a shit? You just it's write the best another time thing. to make mistakes. Oh my God. Yep. You best shouldn't even know though, you're yeah. making them. You should just fucking fart mm-hmm. stuff out and then move on to the next one. Yeah. 
And you should be dumb enough to think that it's good. Honestly, I mean, like the the. Uh, there was a book about code cracking one one time that I I, I read and um, he said that like the, the the best like code crackers have to be the stupidest people because only stupid people would keep trying yeah. something they they've so obviously failed at. This is um, so I think that applies to writing as well. Like you have to be like dumb enough to just believe that it's going to get better that you're gonna find it uh almost all the people that i was friends with when i was in college that were interested in writing and had written some and had talked about at some point writing fiction and putting it out there almost like i feel like i know more men that stay with it than women because men are in general more arrogant yeah and are just gonna be like i'll fucking do it i don't give a fuck out uh-huh. and and they just keep doing it yeah, and you, it's aggressive. Yeah, yeah. I mean that aggression, that arrogance if, if it's is done, your best thing when you're a young writer. Just fucking absolutely. do it. Absolutely, because you're gonna push and you're gonna push and you're gonna push so hard that people start believing that it's good. You know what I mean? And it, it's it's like exposure almost. Well, it's like if if I'm exposed to something long enough and frequently enough, I'm probably gonna develop a taste for it, whether I wanted to or not. And accidentally, so like, you might write something great. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yep. Even if you're Absolutely. not a good writer, you can write something pretty fucking good every once in a while. For sure. Monkey. For sure. I mean, the monkey typewriter thing. Yeah. Be a monkey yeah. if you gotta be. Fuck. Yeah. The Family Circle uh, Sunday comic. It's not like you know? if you get. It's not like you get fined if you write something bad. You know. Two hundred dollars. A guy knocks on your door. <laughs> Are you the writer of the uh, uh, story about how you have nothing to write about? <laughs> You have to pay a parking ticket because of it. I wish I had been fine. Oh man! I wish I had been fine. Yeah, but then you would have, you would have fucking stopped. It would have been the worst yeah, thing in I, the world. I know. I mean, honestly, like even like as far as music goes, I, I can't fucking believe that I, we went past like record one. Listening, it's just so not what we became. Yeah, and I had no idea what I was doing, but I really thought I knew what I was doing. And it's, it's like finding, you know, I mean, it's it's finding old it's, uh, videotapes of yourself or finding old things. You're right. It's it's so embarrassing, but it was such a necessary part. Dude, of the process. fake it till you make it. That's the way to yeah. do it. It's uh, what, yep. what what was the the Vonnegut book? Midnight. What's the midnight one? Uh, is it Midnight? Dexter's Midnight Runner. No, there's oh, a fucking no, no. one about the Nazi. I read it. I can't remember the name of the fucking book, but I read it. Uh, where they, I'm, blank, I'm blanking here, too. He's the American Nazi guy, whatever. Yeah, yeah. He, he was American the American Nazis. Nazi that went to Germany. He was undercover, and he pretended mm-hmm. to be a Nazi for like seven years, and then nobody believed Cat's Cradle? No, Cat's no, no. Cradle? Cat's Cradle was the one about Ice Nine. Oh, yeah. What was the other? It was something okay, Midnight. Go ahead. I don't it was the only know. other Vonnegut book I read, yeah. but go ahead. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, but... but the, the, the line is uh, you have to be very, very careful about what you pretend to be because it'll become true. Fucking just pretend uh-huh. you're a writer. Yeah. Fucking pretend. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Because who I mean, who knows enough about you to tell you otherwise? Nobody starts good. Right. Nobody. Nobody. Except I mean, Sherman. Except Sherman Alexi. And he's been getting worse <laughs> ever since. <laughs> I'm unfamiliar. Uh, he wrote like a fucking short story collection when he was 19 that got like instant cred oh yeah oh god yeah wasn't dave eggers super young when he started too i don't know he's always looked old though (laughs) that's true yeah he looks uh he looks aged Uh, oh yeah i feel like i don't know i could be wrong so i wanted to talk about 
we're not MFA guys. And literature isn't as popular as it used to be. But mm-hmm. there is less gatekeepers now. You know, for a while, um, you know, even as much as like the early 90s, around to there was, you know, NYU, you were an NYU grad, um, Iowa, Iowa Writers Workshop, Columbia kind of monopoly there would be on, on young writers. There have always been mm-hmm. people who have kind of break, broken through past that, but on mm-hmm. people that are under the age of 40, like that's your route to being a published writer. Um, yeah. You know, you would look at guys like, um, you know, Jonathan Safran Foyer, who got championed as like a fucking star because Joyce Carol Oates yeah. was like, oh, he's the man, right? Yeah, yeah, and you would have this kind of guy. You know, the thing we had talked about: people who are twenty six and have never really had a real job in their life. And uh, mm-hmm. you know, I brought this up earlier. Did I bring this up when we were talking before, or after about the New York Times forty under forty? Uh, I think it was before we started okay. really getting into yeah, it. Yeah, there was a there was a point where they talked about one of the authors in the forty under forty. They profiled. He was a truck driver. And they mm-hmm. were like, couldn't help themselves. They were talking about like how amazing, how quaint a truck driver becoming a writer. Um, mm. And to me, I think writing is a whole lot better if we have more truck drivers. You have seen yes. inclusion mm-hmm. of gay people, of people of color. Uh, 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 and there has been a lot of inclusion, but an MFA still costs fucking $80,000, you know, if, right. if that. Um, how do you think literature kind of benefits from an inclusion of people that aren't strict academics? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, like, it's the only. I, I think they know more. I think they're they're extremely well versed because you know the the boots on the ground thing is is so important when trying to write a relatable story. And I, you know, like we were talking about with comedy, like the further the more successful you are, the more further you get removed from what you want to write about or what you're good at writing about. But I just don't. I mean, the dumbest people I know are the people that have never traveled or have traveled like, you know, they, they don't get out. And that's that's why they're so insular. And that's why they really don't even I mean, I think critical thinking comes. It's something that has to be sharpened. But I think that comes with talking to more people than you you know, I think they, grew up in a house with. It, it's a lot of like path of least resistance stuff, too, because they're going like this academic route. Mm-hmm. And then they get jobs teaching it, and then their peers are people that teach it, and it becomes yeah. this very unrelatable thing. One of my favorite yeah. writers for a long time uh, was Chris Batchbelder, and he did um, Bear v. Shark, um, Digital Tour Photography, and then he did my mm-hmm. favorite book on a fucking – oh, God, hold on. What's the fucking name of it? Chris Charles knows it. Me and him have talked about it a bunch. I'm blanking on it. Um, oh, well, that settles it then. Uh, well, I, I'm, I'm buying time <laughs> as I do that. Okay. He did one of my favorite books on socialism in the United States called U.S., which was about mm-hmm. Upton Sinclair and all this stuff. And, 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 and the longer he's a professor, the worse he gets. Because Absolutely. the main – if you are a professor of writing and the main character of your book is a professor – I am not going to read that fucking book anymore. I read that book fucking 200 times. Go work mm-hmm. at a hardware store. I'm fucking bored. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like that gets a pass so often. I cannot yeah. believe they keep publishing those books. I completely agree. Because completely agree. if you talk about 
the novel not being read anymore or literature fall. And that's why. Yeah. Nobody wants, nobody gives a shit about professors other than professors. Right. Nobody, right. nobody cares. Nobody can relate thing is, to that. Yeah. Like when, you know, you write about what you know, but if all you know is what you do, then that's the, how, how long can you write about that? I mean, how, how long can you keep my attention? If, if everything that you're writing is, is start the origin of it is you and your desires and everything you've written about in everything else you've ever fucking written. You know, it's it's almost impossible to imagine characters unless you're um, Alan Moore. Well, you know, if, that's just a rare gift where you can invent entire worlds without leaving your hometown. Well, then you they know? write but, about but like their family, anomaly. and then they write about yeah. like family life, and then it's just like, all right, if you're like a professor. And you're mm-hmm. trying to write a book and you're not an alcoholic, you got nothing. You got For real. nothing. Yeah. Like write about your yeah. childhood or something, if 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 only. Well, because yeah, you need to you need to uh, emphasize the the tragedies and the traumas and uh, you're a, a successful professor right. living a cozy life with a fucking steady paycheck. So yeah. what? Where's the risk like, involved? Like fucking uh, like Dorothy Allison wrote Bastard Out of Carolina while working like as a fucking uh, like odd job. I think she was like a patent office or something. As like uh-huh. and like you know working actually like in the field on like crisis mm. abuse hotlines and stuff like that sex abuse hotlines yep. for people like tony morrison was fuck didn't write anything till she had like raised two kids like yeah. like like i i i would you tell me would you tell anyone that they would be better writers if they had had an mfa oh my god absolutely not and the I mfa don't... is such a recent invention in general yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know how that got to be like the standard bearer, but it's it's almost uh, at counterintuitive. I mean, you're you know the rules so well, well, but you never develop the courage to break them. It's connections because it, it served. Yeah, like yeah. I only got this book published because I know you. Like maybe, no, but you're yeah, but you're uh, you're it has to stand on its own. Well, I mean, well, right? But at the same time, like that's why there became the MFA became a thing. Because like yeah. they, people would have an MFA and they would be known to be good writers and then they would say, mm-hmm. well, this guy's pretty good, why don't you? And they only know people from their programs. Yeah. Like yeah, it's it's incestuous, and and the the create uh, you know what's created out of that is is just more incestuous stuff for someone to leech off of. You know, I I I still think that the MFA is just a fucking awful thing for writing. Like literature prides itself as something open and honest and progressive and liberal, and with the MFA being lionized as it is, it's this extremely expensive obstacle for normal the time and money commitment that. You know, if you're yeah. worried about where you're going to live next year, then you're not going to uh-huh. fucking do it. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, buy, you know, it's like buying a, a VIP pass that's just going to get you access to all the, the, the you know, the, the splendor of successful people. But all that shows is that you had the money and the connections. Like, there's there's no accounting for the talent, you know, just because you have gone through that. I remember, so, I remember uh, when it was really trendy for like white ladies in MFA programs to like make fun of white guys in MFA programs. Oh yeah. And I just remember thinking like, do you think anyone that is in an MFA program has any right to make fun of fucking anyone? Yeah. Like exactly. you had like, you're making fun of like white guys in MFA programs. Like you're rich, wealthy fucking dad yeah. that's paying for this. Uh-huh. Is a, yeah. like you're, you are like 
fucking yeah. insanely You're- privileged. Right. And right. you really have picked the only person in the entire <laughs> world who is slightly more privileged than you. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah look at this asshole. Yeah. Oh, he reads Hemingway. <laughs> Dude, yeah, I remember uh... I had a creative writing class when I was like a junior, and it was like they we read a story, like a published writer's story. And I forgot mm-hmm. who it was, but it was a white woman who was writing a short story through the eyes of an Indian American woman. Mm-hmm. And, and, and they asked like what we thought about the class. I'm like, I don't think white people should be writing <laughs> the experiences uh-huh. like a first person narrative right. of what it's like to be Indian. Like, I yeah. think there's plenty of Indian people that could have wrote that. And the sure. white women in the class turned against me so fucking quick. <laughs> <laughs> Typical. They fucking got so mad about well, you understand this, you can understand the impression and do it just they kept saying do it justice. Uh, uh, they're not getting she's making money off this shit. We're reading this right. shit. And it's yeah. not hers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, why well, I, I don't want to read uh, the story of someone that does someone else's story justice if I could just read the other person's story. I mean, that's just it's like she got it's away a horrible with it. Stand-in. She got away with it. We were reading it in a writing class. She got away <laughs> with it. You're st- and you're still talking about it. Yeah. So, you know, she's living in your head rent free. I know I'm fucked, man. <laughs> All right. So this has been our. Lo- we'll probably split this one into a two-parter because it was so long. But um, uh, cool, yeah. Uh, my book "Water Wasted" is out November tenth. Uh, go to rarebirdlit.com. Is that it? They're mm-hmm. a dot com, right? Rarebirdlit.com. Just Google rare bird and then Google my rare and birds. Then just look, ar- click around. You're gonna find my book. <laughs> it's <laughs> yeah. out November tenth. If you want the pre, if you want the signed copy, it comes out sometime. In October, if you're gonna, have you done the signings yet? No, have you I done the si- Have you signed? I think yet? they're waiting to see how many pre-orders come in. So okay, yeah. So hopefully that's a good sign. I also haven't that been like happen. super great about emailing them back about stuff since I broke my wrist. So I actually have to finish up that shit. All right, uh, I'd like to thank uh, author, musician, candle aficionado. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Any other uh, descriptions you want me to throw in there for you? I do like sh- um, shrimp a lot. I eat a lot of red lobster. Shrimp liker, red lobster, mm-hmm. frequent guest. <laughs> go. go. <laughs> uh, Keith Buckley, author. I like of the Norm Peterson of Red Lobster. Scale and watch. So go ahead and look mm-hmm. those up. Those are also on Rare Bird. So thanks for coming, man. My pleasure. It was nice to talk to you. All right. Well, everyone. Go buy my shit. Suck it. Yeah, see you later. <laughs> Smell you later. Sorry. It's amazing in how many times of uh, uh, this, us talking about writing, how many words I use incorrectly, so. <laughs> that's, that's, that, you know, you're, you're free from the, the academia of it. I, it. Doesn't bother me one bit. All right. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye.